Listen, I've never had any problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing. Prove me wrong. I'll wait. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, great one on my end. We got a we got a fantastic, uh, d- really a docket of conversational topics that I think will uh, move the needle here today. We're, of course, going to be talking a little bit about Mark Mickey and Jose Gonzalez's uh, collaborative effort to reset the world door slammer drag racing record with a stunning performance this past, uh, actually just yesterday at Bradenton Motorsports Park during a test session leading up to, of course, the 52nd annual. How Holy moly. Can you imagine doing anything 52 times in a row? Shout out to uh, Vic Alvarez and everybody at Bradenton Motorsports Park. They're getting ready for a barn burner of a drag race this weekend with the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. Obviously very exciting. We've got... Uh, all sorts of things to talk about. World Series of Pro Mod news, Pro Superstar Shootout news. We've got, uh, oh my God, PRI. What a deal. We're like a week, eight days away from the PRI show. What is going on out here? I mean, it feels like I'm in some sort of time warp. But anyways, before I get too far along, let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts here on the West Buck Show. My dear friends, my partners in crime, the ones, the onlys. Notice how I add the S there. Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. What's up, boys? What's, we up? Well? what's up, man? Good to be back. Yes, we got to address the elephant in the room. For anybody that's been concerned about Michael, um, the legendary MVC himself, uh, are are you okay, man? We have two. I'm good, man. I think I'm about 90, 93% the way 93 percent yeah. that's yeah. like a you gotta get that immunity up yeah or you're gonna yeah you're gonna I'm die my, pri yeah well you know it's not pri i've been going to pri for like 20 years so uh it's it's uh having kids in elementary school is what will what will do it to you That'll you take need to uh <laughs> you remember that george carlin bit when he talked about like the ongoing pussification of america and just society in general it, it was <laughs> he's it calling was, you a pussy basically yeah, no, no 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 am i responsible for this or what no no no, no. Yeah. but i was yeah. he makes this thing of, he he does this bit and i'm gonna butcher it but I, i'll do my best but he just talks about when i was a kid we swam in raw sewage mm-hmm. and it's kind of true like i think about I mean, the way I handle my kids versus and my wife and I obviously handle our kids versus like our experience. I've told my my kids stories about my childhood and they look at me like I have three heads. Anytime I start to tell them, man, my parents left me home alone pretty much all day, every day during the summer. And we were left to our own devices. I mean, well, stun God guns, only knows automatic what weapons, with that. fireworks, uh, dirt bikes, four wheelers, uh, small sedans. I mean, we well, we're we, talking about germs here. Yeah. And, you know, they're now we got hand sanitizer, masks. These are kids that are 
like the first wave of post COVID kids and the way, <laughs> you know, the way we handle everything with germs is like, we have no immunity. JT's I, right. So then when we finally get dipped into the deep end of the pool, it's game over. I think it's funny that the deep end of the pool is our kids going to elementary school. Dude, that's um, a, that is, it's a real probably, thing. There's no grosser place in the world than an elementary school. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. It's hard to argue. I mean, that's, that's gotta be one of the worst. It's definitely up there. I mean, I think like a, a prison would probably be a pretty tough environment. Yeah, um, those suck. Those suck. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Holding cells suck too. Holding um, cells, yeah. yeah, they're terrible. Um, also, anyway, I'm good. I'm I, I'm good. We're back. We're we're getting ready for PRI. Which one year? One year I got sick at PRI. Yeah, JT. And, I mean, I got, I got so it. sick got... that I missed our own party. So I mean, that's I sick. think there's more JT. You didn't leave the bed. There's not. I was, we were really worried because JT kind of lives for you know social events and really this was, this was like I, his second no, this was like his years. second pri so it wasn't like he was bored of it or anything and this man did not leave the bed for about three days he even had the man. housekeepers come in and clean around him as if he was like a dead body yeah you, and i don't remember her being in there like like i just kind of passed out do you swear that there's nothing else <laughs> to that story you didn't experiment with anything there no Really? Okay. Nope. Because I, I was just no like, more than he I've normally never does. Seen JT, that <laughs> down and out. Like you didn't leave the room, the hotel room, for what three days? Is it was like right? two days. But yeah. It was. Yeah. But like you know, I was a heavy smoker then too, and I didn't even go have a cigarette, and that just don't happen with me, you know, back yeah. then. Well, oh, no. When we knew, yeah. we kind of thought, yeah, JT, uh, smart move. He's gonna real quick he's, in he's the gonna, He's gonna hang out of the uh, trade show, but then he's gonna make it to the party. Real quick well, in the comments, uh, JT, yeah. I'm asking this to you. All right. Okay. A, do you think JT's lying? Um, B, second question, put it on the poll. Uh, is a drunk sig? Put it on the poll. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have I been in. Do drunk yeah, sigs just... count? Do drunk uh, sigs count, JT? I heard this recently oh. that drunk sigs don't count. I've got, a photo. I've, got, I've got a photo of this event of JT. I yeah. took a photo because I thought it might be the last time we see him alive. And I, before I left the room, I took a picture of him. And I'm like, when, are you sure? You are you sure that's, you're not going to make it to the party? That's because the problem when, when you live the lifestyle <laughs> that I live, I guess, is that when you actually do get sick, people are like, what? He's done something. <laughs> He's He's, he's experimenting. I was really something. having a hard time. <laughs> like my mind was having a hard time wrapping its head, wrapping itself around uh, JT being so sick that he can't party at PRI. Like you didn't come to the party, and I'm going that. That's got to be. That's a. I tried. Illness. I tried, but then we got we got downstairs, and I was like, "There's no way." Yeah. Did and you eat? Did you go downstairs? And yeah, we always I, eat at the high velocity on the way out. And yeah. Didn't you get like? In typical JT fashion, what did you? No, I got, get? You I got, got like, actually got a grilled chicken or something. Oh that come day. on! I think and, but I didn't. Like I, a, I didn't eat it. I think yeah. you got like a plate of wings or something. No, I I, I should have. Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> it's uh, it, I find it that whole situation hilarious. And you, I love. And then you always get sick. Yeah, you just you because <laughs> everybody knows you're going to get sick, or a good percentage of people get sick after PRI. I mean, it's just, it's, it's inevitable. inevitable. Let's riff on PRI. I, I think we've got to, uh, I want to talk about this. There's a lot to cover. And I think uh, a couple, first and foremost, some housekeeping items. 
Please, if you haven't already, it helps a ton with the algorithm. Make sure you're subscribed to the Drag Illustrated channel. Click that button. Make sure you click the subscribe button. Make sure you click the little bell to get notified anytime we post a new piece of content. We're really growing our repertoire, if you will, our content offering as far as video is concerned. We're super proud of it. We're proud of the work we're doing here. So make sure you join the movement. I want to I want to remind people, and I, 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 I don't have this fleshed out, but I've been working on it. And Oh, God. This, this here is, we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I Hold just... On. Let's just take... the. Take it offline real quick. No, no. I, I just, I want people to recognize or maybe, no, I don't. I don't need no recognizing. What I want is more people involved because what we're doing here and the, the catalyst that these conversations uh, serve as, not to mention the pages of Drag Illustrated Magazine, dragillustrated.com, our social media. Like, I'm really proud of what's happening in the sport of drag racing and our part in it, but we cannot do it alone. Like that, the point I'm trying to make is that it, it's funny, the analogy that I cooked up guys, and you can tell me if you are on board with this or not, but drag racing is our religion. And I, I thought about the, the connections that could be made where, and this You're is the a evangelist. statement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, 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 I want to be drag, drag racing's Joel Osteen. I have no problem with that. And I'm completely you comfortable to pray just to role. make it today. Absolutely, man. But all right, think this about is it in terms of, I, I was starting to sweat a little bit. Okay. No, 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 no. We're, we're but good. think about it in terms of that. And I, that's what I'm asking people to participate in because one thing I'm really proud of with drag illustrated as a whole is the way this company has evolved and this project has involved evolved. And it's been, it's been done with a, with a plan, right? Because we always knew in the back of our minds collectively that putting on races, our own events was the end goal, but we knew in order to put on the type of events that we wanted to put on, we had to develop this platform and this platform that, that is drag illustrated. It, it, it it's, it's given us the opportunity to do these events, do things like the 30 under 30, throw a crazy ass party with Brandy Cyrus as the celebrity DJ in Indy and do all the cool stuff that we get to do. I'm so proud of it, but I don't want to do it alone. And we're certainly not, but I, I'm asking for people to join the church. I mean, that's really what's happening here. Like I think about it all the time, like how we provide value to the industry and how we provide value to you know, the racing, you know, the, the on-track racers, the actual people that are beating up the highways and byways of America, chasing their drag racing dreams. I want to serve them. I want to serve the manufacturers and brands that exist in this space. And it's kind of funny because in these are other people's words, and it's a really humbling thing to say out loud, but how many times have you two heard that drag illustrated has become the Bible of drag racing? And I think that that is a term or a descriptive term that could have previously would have went elsewhere. Right. I mean, I remember back in the days of Superstock and Drag Illustrated being the Bible. There was a, a long period of time where Drag National Dragster as a weekly publication became the Bible. I, I, I like to believe at this point in time that we've earned that status over the course of 185 issues. Very proud of that. But if you think about it, we, we hold church, too. Now we hold church two, three, four times a year between the 30 under 30, um, the party at PRI, the Pro Superstar Shootout, World Series of Pro Mod, and our congregation's growing. But I'm asking yeah, you guys right now. into the evangelist I, thing. I just we're, really we're think that that's, that's the angle because by subscribing to Drag Illustrated Magazine, by coming to one of these events, by being involved, by sharing the gospel, you're contributing to, to our religion, right? You're spreading the word. And I just, I think that sometimes you need like an easy to digest thing 
uh, of of what the overall vision is. And it is to grow and build the sport of drag racing for the betterment of all of us. Of course, there's more that we want to accomplish here. There's more we want to achieve. But there's the overall picture is more about the entire industry, what we want the entire industry to achieve. Because I truly believe, like, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I hear from racers, I hear from fans, I hear from members of the industry on a regular basis. I'm really proud of that. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, Wes at DragIllustrated.com, hands down the best way to get in touch with me. But it's, I see it out there and I feel it. I can sense something happening. And I, I truly believe I wrote about this as I reflected on the things that I was thankful for and, and just tried to you know, express some gratitude for the opportunity that the sport of drag racing has provided me personally. Mike, I know you feel much the same way. JT, I have to believe you feel the same way. And I think everybody here is pretty proud of the fact that we're yep. able to do what we do inside of drag <clears throat> racing and contribute in a meaningful fashion. And I just, I guess in closing, I'm thankful for all of you that join us every week uh, to talk drag racing. And I know sometimes we go on wild tirades and I get all up on the tire and whatnot. I've already sweat through my shirt today, but it's, this stuff's important. We have to keep the conversation going, man. We have to keep people talking about drag racing and we can't be completely beholden to like something new, you know, some big happening, right? We were blessed this week to yeah, get we some crazy of. news. We got cr crazy big happenings in the sport, but I do find it, like we have to keep that conversation going through the week. We got to do the hard work to identify all the great things that are going on in our sport because it's easy to pick out the negatives, right? And there's always going to be some issues. There's always going to be some problem that we're facing. Mike, let's let's just talk on this. Over the years, do you agree that like every season at PRI, every year when it gets down to trade show, they're they're developed and it's because there's a little bit of a vacuum, right? There's not racing to be focused on, and everybody starts worrying about the economy. Oh, next year's an election year. There, there's always and I had an early business mentor, Danny Rowe. I remember him telling me when I was telling him that we didn't hit our sales goal. This is like ten years ago, and he said to me, he goes, "Man, there's always going to be an excuse." Like, and he and it, and it was hard to hear. But he, he literally told me, like, man, there's always going to be a reason. Like, if it's not gas prices, it's parts available, supply chain. If it's not that, it's a global pandemic. There's always going to be something. But we can't just lay down because there's some hills to climb. And yeah, I, I'm excited by a hill to climb, personally. We, we, we literally hear that every year and have been for a long time. I can remember when we first started this deal. I think it was the start of the Obama era was about you know when this was yep. really taken off and oh that was going to be the end that was going to be the end of drag racing <clears throat> made it through that yeah then, made it through a pandemic yeah made it through made the, it through the housing crisis and now here we are again yeah it's a it's a uh, election year coming up and everyone's worried about where we're going economically and everything but racers find a way and this is a group they of do. people yeah. that that continue on no matter what so it, it to your point I agree with you in a way, but I think something that's changed and I was going to talk about this, but we might as well dive into it with the news, with the huge runs we're seeing at Bradenton that we're going to talk about. Uh, you've got the snowbirds, you got us street nationals, you've got world series of pro mod, you got the pro superstar shootout in between that as well. There we, we joked about 10 years ago that there was no off season when they started going overseas to the middle East to race. Yeah. And it's almost that I, that's still happening, but it's to a lesser degree, but here in the States, there is no off season anymore. And there so really I feel isn't. like it's almost like people are having, Oh man, I could barely get to PRI because there's all these races happening. Records still being set records used to stop being set in late October, early yeah. November. Now it's December and they're still just out there lowering the bar 
you know, every, every uh, weekend. So I feel like it's uh, the environment has changed at PRI to where it's not, there isn't that hard break where we go into the off season and people really focus on, Oh, what are the problems? What's happening for next year? When are budgets set for sponsorship and advertising? I got to get my deck together. I got to get a new sponsor next year. It's almost like just a rolling calendar that never has that hard break anymore. And so I feel like the whole space has changed in that way. And I feel like it's actually a positive thing because to me, when we're busy, when racers are busy, when they're out there just staying up on the tire, so to speak, you don't have that negativity or worry creep in and we just keep this thing rolling. And, and I really think that that's a product of in, in a large part, a lot of the huge races that are going on at Bradenton motorsports park, but all the tracks in the South, um, they've been doing the hangover deal, uh, in the South for a long time on new year's day. So it just, it continues on. And, um, I mean, what's your, what are your thoughts on the impact of basically year round racing on these trade shows and, and the economics of racing. I think the biggest probably impact is just the fact that if you don't have your plans pretty well buttoned up by fall, I mean, I'm talking to people that are setting budgets and putting plans together in August and September, which is really scary to hear. And I think that that's probably going to continue to be the trend that it's just getting organized for the next year to your point, Mike, isn't as much about going to PRI and finding, I mean, there's probably no better example than schedules. It used to be that you go to PRI and pretty much got everybody's schedule. That was the drop dead. Then it was like a week before PRI. Then it was like a month before PRI. And now there's so many drag racing events going on at any given time. It's like a race to who can get their date announced first. And then it kind of becomes a, you know, Hey, I said it first, I posted it on social. Yes. I mean, because the amount of information that's available to us and the way information is distributed has changed so much that, and I think that for me, that's always going to be the takeaway. And I, I have this conversation with people all the time. Context matters. This is a nuanced world we're living in. And if you're not embracing that nuance, if you're not recognizing that it's every not, it's not one size fits all. I mean, that's probably one of the things that, we've learned over the course of 20 years in the in the media business is that the things that we did that were like rock solid 20 years ago don't work as well or don't aren't a singular solution the way they maybe once were now you've got i mean i find dude if you think about it and i i guess i'll just say this because i think it's valuable as if speaking specifically to like event promotion and race operators and things like that you got your work cut out for you. I mean, to to cut through the noise in 2023 and it's only going to get harder is extremely difficult. And I mean, just as an example for like a benchmark, if anybody wants to use it, looking back as we were building our plan out for 2024 for the World Series of Pro Mod, the Pro Superstar Shootout, blah, blah, blah. We look back at what we did leading up to World Series to with the plan of of creating a rubric like a playbook for people to work from and we created 500 pieces of individual content for the world series of pro mod 500 total right but that's driver announcements sponsor announcements web stories um podcasts uh, emails uh, i mean every tool that we have direct to mail direct mail uh, i mean it's amazing how much stuff you've got to do in this day and age. And I can tell, like you can look around the space and see the people that have like settled into, this is what I always do. This is how I, this is how we promote. This is the way we distribute information, but it's changed. It's changed a lot. And I don't, 
I don't know that it's going to simplify anytime soon. I think the tools that are available to us are probably as advanced. Well, no, without question, they're as advanced as they've ever been, right? But I mean, Mike, don't you remember how, I mean, this is almost like I'm embarrassed to admit, but we would upload an issue of Drag Illustrated Magazine to the printer, send it off to print, right? Print week. Sometimes it would take six days, sometimes 10, whatever. Mike, you know, mainly Mike and I back in the beginning would grind on this thing all day, taking turns. I mean, it was uh, working all night. I mean, it was an ordeal. And then we would like take a break, right? I mean, the magazine was done. We could, you know, chill for a couple of days or a week, you know, and recover. Whereas now, I mean, the, the, it's just a monster that that is insatiable. You have to be feeding it yeah. all the time. And we've added so much to it. So, I mean, let's, let's get into some of that. Let's, uh, do you want to talk about, uh, Bradenton first, or do you want to talk about Yeah, man. About I mean, I see some PRI. comments here. Um, yeah, let's throw out some comments around okay. this historic happening. For those that don't know, yesterday uh, afternoon, we had a bit of drag racing. I think one of the more significant happens, happenings in several years, if you think about it, in, in terms of how much time has passed since we've seen. Well, I guess I have to recant that because it was just last year that we saw Eric Dillard set the world on fire with a three a five point three nine second run in the quarter mile behind the wheel of a no rules pro charged type of operation. And I don't know how far exactly it was from outlaw pro mod trim. I'm sure probably not far at all. But yesterday, Mark Mickey's twin turbo pro modified car driven by the legendary wheelman himself, Jose Gonzalez, clipped back to back 5.3 second runs ultimately went 5.359 at 272.94 miles per hour, making him the driver of the quickest pro mod in drag racing history. The run that uh, came up prior to that, I believe was uh Khaled Mohammed's five 30, 37 or something. Yeah. What was it? Um, Khaled Mohammed five thirty seven with a nine. So that record was set in February of 2018. So if you think about how much time has passed since that happening, and like I said, we did have a big run from Eric Dillard. He went 269, went 539 with a three. Uh, staggering performances last January. And I'm anxious to see where this goes. I think the question, first and foremost, congratulations to everybody involved. Yeah. The thing that scared me about the whole situation is how clean of a run it was. Oh, man, it, it looked effortless. It I watched effortless. it over and over and just... Uh, just coming off the line and, and all the way down through there, just a, like a tiny wiggle, maybe a little past half track or something, but that's it. Other than that, it's on a rail. It's crazy to me. And to see the car do that so seemingly effortlessly was shocking. And I think if they were to take time, if this, if they were given the opportunity to do this more frequently, God knows where this deal is headed, right? Because we've heard all these guys, Mark Mickey's one of the guys I've talked to about that 300 mile per hour mark for a door car. We've heard, uh, I've talked to Eric Dillard about it. I've talked to Carl Stevens Jr. about it. I've talked to, uh, of course, Scott Palmer about it. And that goal is out there. And I think for me, and I'm going to like upset some people, but when I see a performance like that, Mike, and I think about the issues, the perceived issues with running fuel cars, I just no in general. Oh, like just in general, right? Well, I, I I saw it as, hey, look, if there's, I mean, we know Bradenton is the baddest track on the planet, or one of them, uh, for racing eighth mile door cars or eighth mile anything, and then the Pro Superstar Shootouts coming up in February, running quarter mile there with fuel cars, or no, thousand feet, thousand foot with fuel cars, quarter mile with everything else. Um, yeah, I mean that place, you forget that that's now 
two years in a row where the quickest uh, dorsal and recorded mile run has been laid down. So that place is badass front half and back half. Quite clearly. And I guess like the where I'm headed with this is I was literally laying awake thinking about this last night. I mean, if, if a guy, if we think as a community that we need cars encroaching on that 300 mark, we got them in ProMod. I mean, I just, I think about how close these cars are to alcohol. Funny car times. Yeah. Um, That's how, really the mark that they're encroaching upon at this yeah. point. More, and, there's, a, there's a lot of work to be done to get it up to a fuel car. But yeah, it's it's real close. And what these guys are doing with a suspended car um, in a 69 Camaro at that. I mean, I know that thing is aerodynamic. And, and that's a outside of the late model Camaro. That's the body of choice. But um, I mean there's there's some stuff working against that body and the resurgence of the turbos i think is the big thing all of these home run uh shots back to 2018 uh, in general were turbo cars and we basically saw this combination die literally and everyone went to pro charger and and screw and other combinations and now at least in this realm and of course we saw mark mickey rattle off some runs saw todd moyer rattle off some runs um here recently as well mark warderhausen has mark been, uh, has come on strong that, in recent that combo recent is, that combo to me my biggest takeaway from it is that combo is is making a comeback home run hitting with big tires in quarter mile is making a comeback uh, i think we saw that with radial tires eighth mile um, we've seen that kind of across the board we and we've seen it go away we've talked about it a lot here that could be coming back around and just the I think the innovation uh, in driveline and in Agreed. everything to make this thing work, to, to do that, because uh, I see a question here uh, from Jim Parks. What's up, Jim? Um, what it weighed, uh, I would have to guess that it weighed something similar to what uh, Eric Dillard's car weighed last year, um, which I don't know if that's public knowledge or, or what, but it, it, it's lighter than NHRA rules, I believe. And then it's also got what kind of transmission? I mean, how, how many uh forward gears behind that thing i think that that's a another part of the of the deal so um i don't think it was a legal combination by any means but for this type of uh setting i think that's what you're going to see and you're going to see more of it yeah i mean i'm assuming that car was like 25 50 2600 pounds mm -hmm. that's like right around there and that's close to snowbird rules i can't mark's a record setter and that's been a part of and we've seen this be a marketing ploy many times over very successfully right i mean i honestly think uh, as an example, Proline Racing Engines, that was a brand built almost entirely on the back of going and obliterating records. So I understand the mindset of like, hey, let's go set this record. Let's make sure our name's on it and, and reap the rewards of that over the course of the next however long. And, until and, and Jose is in that car. And yeah. we saw we saw Vic Alvarez in that car a, a couple weeks ago. I'm are you did I miss did you miss a call from Mark Mickey or something? I mean, what do you got to do to get I know, right? I mean, uh, I was wondering about that myself because I think, I mean, I talking about it like pretty candidly, that's fast, bro. Like, yeah, it is. Fast. I mean, in a and Vic's runs were fast. Vic's never been in a pro mod before, and to see what he did in that thing, uh, I mean, it's pretty cool and pretty cool for Mark. Mark is kind of like he's 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 uh, becoming the people's champ of of pro mod racing at this point. I think that he is like one of these slept on superstars. I really do. I think that he's got this stoic nature about him. He He's kind of a, a, a quiet, intimidating guy. 
that is an imposing figure. He's tall. He's got the military looking flat top haircut. I mean, he's just got a lot of the intangible traits that you want in a like a stone faced hero, though, because I, I really think that he's a white hat. If I had to you know, identify what side of the, the fence he's on in terms of character building, but he really does have there's an aura about that guy that I've been that I noticed a long, long time ago. And I'm genuinely happy to see him back in big tire racing. Not that, you know, obviously he built a big part of his brand racing the blue Malibu, uh, Jason Carter's famed and feared blue Malibu in radial tire racing. But it just, we need, again, speaking to the magic that comes from having all these guys fighting against one another. Cause if you look at every other space, this pro mod's really the rare place where all these guys can go and compete on a level playing field. You know, eat top fuel and funny car separated pro stocks, obviously separated and PDRA. We got in pro nitrous and pro boost uh, radial tire. I mean, you have stars strewn across multiple categories from, you know, X 275 to pro 275 to radio versus the world. Uh, it's that's what's special about this, in my opinion, and really all these outlaw pro mod races. I do. Th that's what the fans get to see such as myself is all these guys from different communities and different little segments of the drag of the drag racing world coming to one place to see who's who. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty damn cool thing. I do think you're yeah. right. And, you and we, one last ahead. thing on, on Mark, uh, rocking the drag illustrated hoodie on the line when oh, yeah, the record cool, is set man. major. I mean, that that's probably what put the car over the edge for the record. And then, uh, advertising every issue of drag illustrated which we just sent the 185th issue of this magazine to print again with a two-page spread from m&m transmission and it's the biggest issue page-wise of the magazine we've ever printed just shy of 200 pages um so let's real quick let's dive into that coming out at pri next week uh it'll it'll debut at the show it's got the full 2023 30 under 30 list uh, which will be unveiled uh, early next week. It's actually going to be available online early next week. The issue is, but then uh, making its print debut at the show. So something we're really proud of and uh, could be done without people like Mark Mickey, who has advertised in literally every single issue. Yeah, man, we got to give it up for Mark. Like all those early adopters and the people who believed in us when we didn't even believe in ourselves. It's uh, it's pretty special to see the continuity of all this. Like I that's something that I tell people all the time that I'm the most proud of, not only with our team, but like everybody we do business with. It, there's not burnt bridges everywhere. There's not. It's it's people that join the movement. They join the church and they stay a part of the church in some capacity forever it would seem and that's something that i think is rare i really do but it speaks to the mission i always tell people it's not what you do it's why you do it and that is something that i hold on to fiercely because everything we do every new idea that we cook up everything that we we, we crank out it's done to better the sport of drag racing to serve the church and I, i'm just super proud of it man and, and a huge shout out to mark mickey for his contribution to that because it's it's a uh, it's been significant. There's no doubt about it. I got a question here, Mike, and let's just talk about this real quick. Do quarter mile records honestly even matter if every series outside of NHRA doesn't run it? Kind of like me setting the peewee football record in my front yard. Appreciate the comment. <laughs> Drag Racing Mayhem. Thank yeah, you. That's a um, good analogy. It, it is. But at the same time, it's a marketing tool. I, I see it as this sport, this community has been trained over the course of 70 years 
we're laser focused on these record moments, right? I mean, and it's, and you see it in other sports, like LeBron James surpassed uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar this week, I believe for the most number of minutes played. And it's like, there's significance to that, you know, and, and I think stick and ball sports, they have to really dig for this. Like they've got to really have like deep analytic teams because they've got to, they've got to find those records, right? These, whereas drag racing, we pump these things out like no one's even close to LeBron, I don't think in terms of total points scored or total minutes played. So they they're they're grasping at straws, trying to find stat you know storylines like that. Whereas in drag racing, we get them all the time. It's part of it's part of this scene is record setting. There's a lot of racers out there that really don't have many aspirations beyond like competing, winning races is almost secondary to their effort to be the 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 driver of performance and be the one that's continuing to whittle away at it. And I, I think that whenever if I'm Mark Mickey or if I own Eminem Transmission, putting that hat on for a second, and I don't, but any of the companies involved with that car, from chassis builder to tire manufacturer, you want to be attached to those records. It, it's a valuable thing. And if the people well, it's a involved, stick. it is. I mean, that's we yeah, all look that's at that's what we were just talking about. It really to me, the quarter mile is still the measuring stick for drag racing. Um, eighth mile for sure for pro mod is, is more relevant. And we can talk about some of the numbers that are being set down there this week as well in the eighth mile. But to me, we just talked about how it compares to, um, top alcohol, funny car or fuel cars, you know, looking ahead to that. And that's the only, to me, that's the, the only way to compare them. So it's like, what is a pro mod really capable of? And that allows us to have that standard to compare it to with, so without that and without people sort of out there uh hitting these home run balls we re- we really don't have that so um i agree the eighth mile is probably more relevant at this point with with pro mod but it is still cool to see these guys go out there and sort of risk life and limb because it's not that's a, a sketchy situation to be going that quick and that fast in a pro mod um at the quarter mile and then also the parts attrition that could be happening there um so to risk both of those to just see what this thing's capable of I think you got to kind of tip your cap to that, even though day to day we're, we're looking at eighth mile. Well, it's uh, to me, I, I totally understand like the, the aforementioned analogy or comparison to like, but it really in drag racing, it is the quarter mile is still, especially to the casual fan, to the, to the casual fan that is still the go-to yardstick. It's the line that's used in movies. I mean, it's, by and large, if you pick up car crap, well, not car crap, motor trend or something or popular mechanic. I mean, I just thought about the- fast and furious. Yeah, there's exactly. a meme. There's yeah. a meme going around. Have you seen this one where it's uh, it shows a, a like an air cleaner on an old piece of shit or something. And it's turned the, the covers turned upside down. So the air cleaners exposed. It says yeah. when you were 16 and and flipped over your, your air cleaner and it's you were going racing. Of, no, it's got the clip of, yeah. of Vin Diesel from uh Fast and Furious when he's like, there's so much, so much torque. It twisted the chassis off the line. <laughs> it's, oh my God, man. It, it is funny. The things we do. The, the stuff in that movie. I mean, I love it. I think it's still, still to this day, it's, it's like a measuring stick that, that casual people compare for drag racing, which kind of drives me crazy. But no, I just think that, I guess for me, it just opened my eyes to the possibilities, right? Of what the future could look like in drag racing. Because I guess my takeaway from this is clearly it's that 
that 300 and I know obviously 27 miles an hour or whatever it's like a lot but I mean you see how much these cars especially the turbo combination pick up from you know series to series or or, or excuse me event to event or the next time they run it so I guess I just feel like there may be a future I mean think about Kevin Kensley in that 63 Corvette with the nitro combination in it clicking off 360 runs I mean that car is not far from being, I mean, I would argue that it could be competitive right now in some places as far as Outlaw Pro Mod is concerned. But is there a is there a future in the sport of drag racing where we see more, even more movement towards door cars, right? Especially if those door cars can deliver the type of performances that have historically been reserved for fuel cars or for top yeah. alcohol cars. Well, I, mean, I, I, I think it. I think it matters too. Jim Parks is making another good point here, which I don't want to give him too much credit, so that. I don't have to deal with his ego next time I see him, but um, he's making a he's making a point about how it just blew up his feed when he saw that yesterday, and it it was everywhere from every drag racing media outlet, every individual sharing it, and it reminded me a lot of when Mike Salinas ran three hundred in the eight. So we're talking about something opposite here, where you got fuel cars that that run a thousand or, or used to run a quarter, never really cared about what they were really doing in the eighth mile, but then when he set that mark in the eighth mile with the bounty that was on it. Well, how did that blow up on social? So I think anytime these these marks are set or barriers it's are like broken, it's it's huge. It's huge, and it and it helps it helps with what you opened up talking about with the with the day to day conversation and sort of breaking it more into the mainstream and to getting it in on everyone's feed uh, to being like a galvanizing moment for the sport. I think you're always looking to you're always looking for like the path of least resistance and especially like selling anything you're, I think you have to know your market and it's like you, to your point, I think that there are conversations like I've had conversations with Brett Kepner about 60 foot times, you know, that we get all drunk on talking about and whatnot. However, like that conversation is not going to really resonate with a casual fan. But if you start talking about a door, you know, a car that looks like a car, like that's a 69 Camaro and it just went, it covered the quarter mile in 5.3 seconds and went from zero to 273 miles an hour in 5.6 seconds. Like that, they're able to maybe weigh that against what they read about a Tesla, right? Or weigh that yeah. against what they read about the, a Porsche or something in a magazine or something, a YouTube review or, or whatever. It just speaks to, uh, it's, it's like an ongoing Guinness World Record moment. Right. And I think that that type of stuff, it does. It's just a needle mover for whatever reason. This and I think it's just prior programming. I mean, for years and years and years, how many racers still to this day have their shirts or have their the stickers on their trailer that identify all their barrier breaking moments or first? Like I remember this was at the I went to and I've talked about this before, but I went to the World Street Nationals in Orlando in like the early 2000s. And Steve Kirk was there, Steve Kirk Jr., who was an iconic name already in the time at the time in 105W racing. And I remember walking up on his trailer, just a fan there watching, right, walking around the pits and uh, move it because the place was a, a sea of humanity, people everywhere. But I remember walking by Steve Kirk's trailer and I, I took a picture of it. I wish I still had it, but it was the back door of Steve's trailer. And it was just like a resume of every moment, like first to the sevens on 10 fives, first to the four fifties. I don't, and I'm, you know, I don't know which ones they were first to the sixes on 10 fives, like all these things on that trailer door. And we don't, you don't have to, like, if you think about the effort that went into that, like he's had to add to it, he's had to get new vinyl done. Like, and I know that that's no, that's not 
a rocket science, right? But it speaks to the pride that they have that racers uh, have for those marks and being able to take ownership. But I, I think it it talks it really shows a couple of things. It's really hard to win a race. And we hear Mike back, you know, several years ago on this very show, we would have these big debates about like, what's more impressive, these hero runs every once in a while, or a guy who can come out and win four or five rounds of racing in a row and win a race. They're equally impressive, right? For different reasons. But I, I do think everybody in drag racing is seeking validation. We're all looking for a way to make it make sense in our mind. We're spending all this money. We're spending all this time. It's hard work. Nothing about it really is easy. So you got to find ways to like make it click and make it make sense. And I, I think we're talking about a whole lot of what's the word like Napoleons and Neil Armstrongs and Buzz Aldrin's and guys that want to be the first man to step foot on the moon. You know, that's that's the goal to be permanently attached. Look no further than Kenny Bernstein. Mm-hmm. No, his name is universally recognized in drag racing for being the first to go 300 miles per hour. And the the guys that that came before him are equal. I mean, there's quite a bit of controversy over who went 200 mile an hour first. Was it Chris Karamasini's the Greek or was it Big Daddy Don Garlitz? Like there's it's part of the lore. Well, some of, of that is racing. also and they're making uh, some good points in the chat also about the fact that this was done uh, in testing. So I I honestly and I mean, if you look at our DI top eight. That's a list of of it's a combination of runs that were made in testing and in competition. And and to be an actual record, it does have to be in competition. Um, but for it still still to be the quickest that a car's ever gone, then uh, it can be done in testing. I I don't know that in this case it really matters all that much because as some of these guys are saying, we're not going to see any kind of quarter mile series or any legitimate no. event where this can be done. I think maybe um, based on what I read or or heard about. Uh, the shakedown this coming year and you guys had tyler on last week um i think that they're looking at having something like that uh, go on with the shakedown if i'm not if i'm not mistaken but um this is uh th- to me it doesn't in this case doesn't matter but for it to actually be the record it has to be in competition i think that applies to what we've talked about with uh extreme pro stock the fact that didn't um uh jeff dobbins w- win a three something in testing 399 yeah, I believe, uh, but we don't count it or recognize it as the record because, because it, it wasn't in competition. competition, and that's a series that competes every year. So uh, a little bit different, and I think in drag racing, it's kind of kind of a gray area. I don't know that there is is a true standard for that. NHRA would have standards, but in these in these classes that run outside of NHRA, there's really kind of always been that gray area. Well, and it's to uh, Drag Racing Mayhem's point in the chat, and I appreciate you guys piling into the comments. Remember, we want you to be a part of this conversation, so make sure you let us know what you think. And if you're not here live, send us emails, Wes at DragIllustrated.com, Mike at DragIllustrated.com. We'd love to hear from you. But I, I do think that for us, that's why we created the Drag Illustrated Top 8 in many ways, because there wasn't like an all-encompassing record book in drag racing. Every series had their own records. Everybody's got their own rules. So we kind of had to find a way to identify these these individual marks in a meaningful way and that's mm-hmm. and we cooked up the top eight we leaned and brett, on a, and brett we, we leaned on him to make that decision or is this going to count runs that happen anywhere and i forget what his exact methodology was behind it but yeah it does include runs that were were made i remember and, vividly vaughn smith Von Smith over in Qatar mm-hmm. made a run in that red 57 Chevy, that maroonish burgundy 57 Chevy with a screw blower deal. 
And I can't remember what the run was off the top of my head. I noticed that it's not even on the top eight. That's how uh, much times have changed since then. But it happened in testing. And I remember uh, vaguely some of the conversation that I had with Brett about it. And he, I remember him saying to me, Wes, you, you race, you've been around this stuff like your whole life. You know, can you imagine taking that risk, taking that chance? To, to run one of these cars that in many cases have been, you know, restricted to the eighth mile on purpose, right? For safety mm -hmm. concerns, you want to, we, can we really turn a blind eye to this? If it happened, if the timing system is legit to the best of our knowledge and the scoreboard shows the number and the time slips there. And we, I think his point was, it just would be a, a tragedy to not acknowledge some of these happenings mm -hmm. um but you but you do to drag racing mayhem's point they're typically individual sanction and series records yeah they're they're different than this but it and also like, instead of universal records of yeah these are like which universal is which, records. yeah the top a is more of a universal which and i was i don't know i'm, I'm still in brain fog i was uh talking about we were talking about a series or, or an event designed for this it's uh don along with what what he announced what he's got coming up uh, that is catering to this kind of home run hitting. So what's your, which has always been Donald's thing. So I, I think we're going to see more of it with sort of a come one, come all no rules, home run hitting type of thing. We'll see what uh, comes of Donald's deal this year, but I do think it's an interesting concept. It, I, <clears throat> my thoughts on Donald Long's uh, recently announced race for the record are that this is going to be cool that I, I love cool shit happening in drag racing. I'm glad that there's going to be an up. There's a, there's a carrot being dangled out there, a hundred thousand dollars to come down and set the record. And I think you're going to see some people we know from experience that a hundred thousand dollars like that moves the needle for sure in this space. But I, I think it's just like everything. And we have to accept that these things come and go. I mean, we're seeing a moment right now where a few years ago, 10, five W tire had, all but gone the way of the dodo was very regionalized. There was only a few places that were really running it with much success or, you know, much buzz around it or, or even competitors to, to lean on to, to provide the show. Now I think we're seeing the tide change. And I, I mean, it wasn't that terribly long ago that it felt like there were like a lot of quote unquote outlaw cars that were purpose built for record setting. I'm hearing of some new ones being made. Uh, the advancements of the cars that race in competitive sanctions and series like PDRA and NMCA, et cetera, NHRA, they're also getting so good that with like taking some of the restraints off them, like these turbo cars that in the NHRA are limited by boost in uh, these other series limited by overdrive or limited by minimum weights. We're about to see a place Donald Long's about to provide these guys and gals with an opportunity to go and let it all hang out. And I venture to say, just like many things, it'll be, knowing the kind of promoter that Donald is and the kind of uh, challenge I think that he will issue to the masses to, to come see who's who. I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be well-received. I really do. I was a little surprised lat earlier this year. I think it was during the summer version of the, the shakedown nationals at Virginia motorsports park. Tyler had something of a home run derby put together for that. And it, it kind of fell flat. And I think he was disappointed with how it went. I don't know that anybody even attempted it. There was like a $10,000 bounty and, and maybe it wasn't enough money. I don't know. I'm, I'm very time of year. Time of year contributes to it. But I, I just, it takes something like this. It takes something like a highly, a much talked about happening such as Mark Mickey. Uh, and even he said it, like, I thought it was funny when I, when I talked to him, he goes, uh, not bad for a bunch of Missouri rednecks. eh?" And I thought, 
maybe that is contributing to this as well, because I wonder there was big buzz around Eric Dillard doing this in the Q80 Camaro back in January, but I don't think it was quite like this. And, and I think it has to do with the people involved. I almost think that when it's pro line or when it's one of these cars that have a foreign country on the door of it. And, that, and I'm all, all for these, like, don't get me wrong. Like don't, th there's no, no uh, disdain for that whatsoever. But I do think it kind of ramps up the, that I can't do that factor that you immediately, you see Q80, you see Bahrain one, you see AAP on the door of a car. And I think that you just immediately go, okay, these guys got all the resources in the world. And we all know. Like, yeah, well, they, all, they all have top stuff. I mean, Mark's car yeah. is. Oh, no, no, no. no I'm just saying that it, as well. it's. And it, he had Jose behind the wheel. But perception's reality, right, is my point. Like, yeah, perception oh, yeah. is well, that, hey, man, these are some guys. Like, you know, and obviously, like I said, the car is obviously state of the art. There's no doubt about it. Latest and greatest across the board. But I do just think whenever you have somebody wearing a hooded sweatshirt, and blue jeans and work boots standing behind the car. DI like sweatshirt. It just, yeah, DI sweatshirt. Um, a vintage one, too. We haven't had those vintage. for a long time. Yeah, we haven't made those. That's vintage. like an OG. Yeah, that's an OG. I bet one. that they one's got, got like metal, you know, the little balls. Eyelets. The little yeah, balls that, that peel up, that pull up on your on your clothes after they've been washed like 100 times. It does. Definitely have that on there. It on definitely that has them. Uh, but do, do but, you know what hey, I'm saying, though? Like, I think that it looks like something that's possible. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. these are this isn't a team that's got some big sponsor down the door. This is some good old boys. Well, that and, and, and a lot of it, ingenuity. it has to just wrapping up the Bradenton thing. It has it has to be perfect timing because they got it's insane weather down there early this week. And there's a lot of teams down there testing that I don't know that are going to stick around or compete in the Snowbirds. They were down there to take advantage of this uh, crazy weather. And if you look at the weather uh, going into the weekend, it's going to be more what you'd expect. Low 80s. Um, yeah, I more, mean, it was 37 degrees yeah. when they made that so, run. Exactly. Um, you know, the adjusted altitude was negative 273 right. feet. So, so that's going to change for this weekend. Into. So you're seeing some long ball hitting and some crazy numbers this week. Don't expect to see that later this week when the when the snowbirds actually kick off. It but does, however, feel like everything. It seems like we're seeing a lot more 3.5 second runs pop up on the scoreboard. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the and, fact that they're able to get a hold of these track surfaces and put the power to the ground in those conditions. You didn't you never when it got that cold. This is why you're seeing this record setting year round. Also, like what we opened up talking about is all the technology in these things that allows them to, to be able to get these things down through there on a track surface that cold and an air that cold. When it got that cold and you had a clutch and a Linko, and <laughs> you that, put your stuff in the trailer, that you is in a trailer. It was Miller yeah, time. Yeah, it right? was Miller so time. it was, yeah, it, no you doubt. were, you were not dealing with that, but um, that's another factor. So yeah. Awesome shit going on down there at Bradenton. We'll see what happens this weekend and and in the races uh, to come. Bradenton, man, it's the spot for for the next two months, three months. So it really is going man. on. You think let, about let, the amount of money that is going to be paid to racers over the yeah. course of the next ninety days uh, in Bradenton, Florida. It's it's pretty freaking cool, man. It's yeah. pretty freaking cool. So let's uh, 
what do you want to talk about next? Let's talk about well, here. What we got. Let me, real quick. Let me Either. let me pay some bills. Yeah, pay right? some I want to remind everybody, take a quick second here to remind everyone that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market. And they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle or your lawnmower. When you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to Redline oil.com redlines more than a sponsor of the west buck show they are a longtime partner of everything that we do here at drag illustrated from the magazine to the podcast to our social media uh, content uh, as well as a deep involvement in our races the world series of pro mod pro superstar shootout huge shout out to those guys for 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 joining the church man i i really uh, and contributing to our ability to to speak the gospel, man, means a lot to us. Mike, I guess let's dive right into, let's, I think we got to talk a little bit of PRI. I want to make sure if you haven't already, if you don't know, Drag Illustrated After Hours, powered by Racers Club, El Bandito, Yankee Tequila, signing on as a, the official tequila of Drag Illustrated After Hours. So excited for the party. I think we hit an all-time high in 2022. Let's and, get JT back in to talk yeah, about Yeah, we got to get JT back oh, in here, man. This is why I'm um, allowed to hit the buttons. Just stay <laughs> off the buttons, Mike. God dang, man. Hey, man, look, that's, I got to hit him. I got I got an itchy trigger finger, man. What's your favorite? Like, what, what are you most excited about for the party, JT? Is there a certain part of it that you're especially excited about? I just, uh, actually, just when everybody gets in and seated and starts having fun. Because, I mean, because it, it's, it's, it's a ton, you know, up until that point. Oh, it, there's no doubt about it, man. And I tell people all the time that no matter what you may have heard, it is an incredible opportunity to 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 network. I mean, you may have to talk loud when it gets a little later in the night and you may have to to go take some extra steps to be heard and comprehended. But as far as being in a single location with a large majority of the difference makers and contributors to the state the sport is in at this point in time into in late 2023, you're just not going to experience that really anywhere else and that's, let's, that's what's let's cool talk about, about what else we got going on with it too we got el bandito as we mentioned yep. brandy cyrus guest dj that's going to be huge um jt i think we need to drop the link also in here to buy tickets so you can go online now um through this link that we've got here to uh grab tickets to this bad boy which will we'll sell out T tables are already sold out have been sold out for yep. a couple weeks now uh, but general admission tickets uh, we'll get you in. What, what's the time? What time are we starting this deal? And let's let's give some details on that. Eight, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Thursday. So night. that's the details, JT. That's it. Jesus. I mean, he literally. Sure. Well, well, he I'm trying to dude. trying to whoop, trying to. I, I locked up, so boy. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with my internet, but yeah, 8 8 p.m. Uh, and then we're gonna do a uh, wine tasting with a. Uh, or not wine tequila taste. Tequila. Tequila. Oh, man, well, tequila like, tasting. JT. Yeah. Really yeah, I don't drink Nobody's that. drinking <laughs> wine at DI after hours. If they are, they're at the wrong. You might. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I might. Like, I, yeah. I hardly drink. Oh, that's good. Bullshit. Me. No, I swear <laughs> in my life. I hardly drink. I hardly drink yeah. at all. And I was just uh, in Las Vegas with you. Uh, but we're gonna do a tequila that was like a month tasting. Ago. <laughs> and uh, uh it, it's gonna be fun. They're, we're gonna have a uh I mean stepping up with the with the DJ this year. Um, I think he's going to be pretty cool. And I'm excited to have like a, def a definitive 
start. Like, I like that we're going to have the house DJ playing for the first couple of hours and kind of letting the party start to, 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 to boil and then bring out a celebrity DJ, Brandy Cyrus. Like I I'm pretty excited about this. I I'm not like any sort of, um, Cyrus aficionado or anything, but the name value is significant. We're getting a lot of feedback locally right. about think, it. So think, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. I think Bruno and uh, the Motor Trend crew is going to be there um, doing some shooting for a PRI special. Um, With cameras. I mean, there's just so much stuff. It's, it's, it's so cool to look around there, though. Um, you know, not just racers, but yeah. like you said, you know, people from all the different companies people from that race and in, in all the different series and you put them under one roof and, and really like i always figured that oh it's going to be a fight like you know and we haven't had too many you know and if there is it's, it's something to talk about the next day so yeah. well i mean but, again, you know, I mean, but it's, this is it's, it's and this great. has to be part of the the sermon it has to be is that what drag racing needs now more than ever is a galvanizing force and we have to find a way to continue to get this group of people swim in the same direction. It's splintered and it'll always likely be splintered to some extent. We're always going to have sportsman racers and pros. We're always going to have guys that identify as grassroots or outlaw and the guys that, you know, identify as professional racers, even if it's a, a hobby or a sideline passion. And we got big tires and small tires. We got prep and no prep. We've got all these. We got like what I would call like your weekend warrior bracket racer. And then we've got the big money bracket racers. There's nostalgia guys. There's, I mean, there's so many variations in drag racing, but, and those things are fantastic. And, and these niches have all thrived in, in many ways, and they've all had some level of success independently of one another. But I think the magic that's there for us and the, the cool part about these events, especially an event like DI After Hours, is that it is. It's a, it, it serves as a galvanizing force that for the entire drag racing community. You show up at that party, you see people from the media, you see fans, you see pro level racers, you know, high end, high, uh, high level guys and gals like Leah Pruitt, Tony Stewart, uh, all the pro stock teams show up. I mean, we've got all these, you know, the entire PDRA contingent, it would appear show up NMCA heavy hitters, uh, all the radial tire guys, all the no prep guys. And they're all under one roof for a few hours on a Thursday night in Indianapolis. There's nothing else to do. It's cold outside. Everybody's put in a hard day at the show and they deserve to have this opportunity to be around you know, like-minded people and get to know folks. I mean, I'm proud of a lot of the connections that are made there because we need more of that. There's all, we have to kind of have, have the guard have down. Yeah. They, yeah. They, do. they have their guard down. A lot of people say fun. they get more networking done at that party than yeah, they, they do throughout the rest of the show, which is a common yeah. refrain that we hear. And that is a lot of what, if you've never been to PRI or you're considering going, that is really what it's about is being in a space or being away from the racetrack with all your racing people to do fun stuff and to network. There's no stator to, to change. There's yeah. no next round to get ready for. And you make uh, a mean, connection. You, you know, do, man. You actually make that connection there um, that maybe, you know, when you're on the floor at PRI and you're trying to have a meeting with somebody or whatever, and you got everybody else 27 people walking time, up trying to, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's just, it's hard to do. And a lot of times it's like you make a connection there and then you see them the next day, you're like, hey, man, you know, give them the old point, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, that is and it's big. Yeah, because you'll have a you'll have a conversation. Once talk to a realtor or talk to, yeah. you know, some of these people uh, like bankers and lawyers and blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of work gets done at the at the golf course. Right. Absolutely. Don't they say that all the time? And 
a lot yeah. of work can get done at at uh, at DI after hours. So I hope hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was mean, his whole so here's an open yes. invitation from from all also, three of us and everybody like, at Drag Illustrated. We'd you'll love be, to see you'll you be on the showroom floor, and and literally, you'll have, be having a conversation with somebody, you know, or trying to, and then they'll just look at you and be like, "Hey, we're good. Call me next week." You know, <laughs> yeah. and, but but that's what. You know, when you're out and, and you're and you're having fun with people like this and you're making those connections, you know, eventually that's where you'll get. And and like you said, everything's so busy anymore and there's not really an off season. You almost need that relationship these days. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. And you need and to those both those points. One, you're right. There's no off season. I know racers that aren't going to be able to make it to PRI because they're they're racing. Right. They've right. got too many other racing commitments. But being able to make that connection somewhere where you're you're not taking away because i mean if you roll up on the pit you know someone in the pits looking to create a connection it's hard to do right because they're busy they got a lot of stuff going on they, they've got this routine that they they leverage or lean on at every event and you're you you run the risk of like interrupting or kind of breaking the cycle or or, or disrupting that that routine you don't have that so much especially at at the party but at pri in general have you guys noticed this and i, I think it's worth talking about at least for a few minutes I have seen some posts on social about like, well, I'm not going to PRI this year and it's the show's changed and this, that, and the other. And I'm a little surprised by that. Are you, I, I don't have the show changed yeah, for sure. Well, I still think PRI is, is much more focused and hardcore, especially for our market and anyone that's into hardcore drag racing than like a SEMA show or some of this other stuff. I still, I, I do still think it's very, worthwhile i don't think that it's it's changed tremendously i know they've i think they've changed some of their admission stuff and some of their um like the membership thing and the the stuff that you have to do to get in but um i think all that's been fairly well received and and, and I, I still think the show is kind of bouncing back from covid still and I, I think it came back strong and now it's again it's it's kind of on us to keep things like this going it's been bonkers I think, since yeah. covid i think you know, i like, i mean i yeah. i am the, the reason i brought it up is because personally i'm shocked by anybody who doesn't isn't able to maybe that's their value. maybe that's their excuse you know and that's like, that's uh, what maybe I that's easier easier for them to say you know oh yeah it's not what it used to be they're going to save some money not go and they're telling themselves that maybe you know because it's, it's all how, how you approach it um you know, that guy that you're trying to you're in line to talk to him or you're trying to get his attention. You're, you're trying to throw your 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 pitch out to him or whatever. You may not get your pitch in, but you might get a connection that you can get him his pitch in the next week, the next month, whatever. And I would say because that that's you don't the know, play. You don't you? You, yeah. Yeah. Because when you walked up there, you don't know how many times how, he may not have been able to go to the bathroom for the past hour and a half. You know, most of these nobody's been, taken a break. They've only right, eaten been bombarded. He's not yeah. trying, you know, people aren't trying to ignore you whatsoever, but sometimes they just got to get away for a little bit. And if you're that guy in line and then you're like, oh man, I stood here forever. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just hard, but, but stick with it, man. Cause if you do make that connection, then you can hit him up later or Dude, maybe I, have a beer with him at the party. You that's know? what I'm saying. I mean, like, I think the connection, the opportunity to even shake a hand is valuable, especially in this day and age where you know, we, we had a moment not too long ago where we weren't allowed to touch anybody. We weren't allowed to be around people. I mean, hospitals weren't letting people in and nursing homes weren't letting people in like that. That action is more valuable now than ever. I mean, if you have yeah. the opportunity to go introduce yourself or connect with someone on a one-to-one, -one, 
opportunity. I mean, that's you've created a warm lead. Like uh, that's how we would treat it from the from a sales perspective. Is it's like that's a warm lead. I've went and I've I've done the legwork. I've made the investment to go set myself up for future success with this with this person. And how you handle that situation, like if you show up and you've got a slideshow ready and you've got this huge deck and like it's probably not the place for it. It's probably the place, however, to get permission to send that information at a later date. And I think that if I'm going to PRI and a destination to accomplish for anything, his card, yes. even if you, even if you get their card, you know, at least yeah. you have a destination for that and not info. And, at, and I think know, by so. getting, mm -hmm. by getting that card, that's, that's permission really, you know, now yeah, they set it out there for a reason, right? They set yeah. it out there for a reason. And that is permission to communicate with these people. And when you see shit blow up on social, or there's a big drama around like Justin Swanstrom's got this big diatribe on social, and it's got all these comments about, you know, the, the, the notion of stealing sponsors. That was, I don't, that was split about half and half. In the it really was, yeah. but it was interesting just in how these things are, are seen and how people feel. I mean, what it told me is if I had to like to kind of take something away from it is that people are real sensitive about this stuff. People that don't know anything about it are, have an opinion. People that are deeply involved have an opinion. And I just think it, it's a big conversation in drag racing. I mean, stealing sponsors has been around for since there were sponsors, right? There's always going to be competition. I missed this. What's the, uh, what, where's the post? You'll have to, you have to, it's look on it Justin's up, but... personal or on Justin Swanstrom's social page, but someone to text one of his sponsors. And it was, it, to me, it looked relatively harmless, but I also completely but, respect I mean, how you, people, see, you see both sides. I, mean, I can right? see both yeah, sides. Yeah. And, and it's, it's especially, and it's nothing it, against either one. It, it no. probably could have been solved with just, worded different and the reason yeah or, or I, call, I don't know call or something, but 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 i'm not getting involved in that at all whatsoever. no and i and i don't i don't think that anybody's really i don't know that there's blame to be placed yeah. anywhere um but i do i, think I get it i get the reason i brought sides. it up is that it, it's a big conversation getting sponsors i mean that's one of the things that we talk to racers about perhaps more than anything else is like how to get sponsors how to develop these relationships how to uh, take them to the next level, how to deliver. And I will tell you that the number one question, and I'm going to do another video about this, but I think the number one question everybody has to ask themselves is, do you really want a sponsor? Do you really want a sponsor? Because there's responsibility that comes with it. Like, and there's competition for these relationships. And do you want to deal with that? Do you want it? Because as soon as you get a sponsor, virtually no matter what, there's going to be competition for it. I mean, I was just telling these guys, one of the things that's been hilarious and really uh, it's flattering is once we launched Racers Club, our brand new apparel brand, if you're not familiar, Mike's rocking one right now, Racers Club OG members only shirt. We just had some new drops on Black Friday, our late night collection, the first, uh, our Waffle House spoof, uh, which has been massively well received and will sell out. That shirt's limited edition. When they're gone, they're gone. We will never print them again. So anyways, as this deal has gotten legs, I've been blown away about how many sponsor proposals that I've received personally. I mean, dozens of these things. So it's clearly something people are seeking. But I do think you have to ask yourself, like, am I ready to, to have to compete for this? Am I going to be, you know, how am I going to handle it when inevitably somebody tries to 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 offer a better deal? Right. Or, or to, to take it away or or to be involved. I mean, I've seen that several times in the past where there's been a sponsor that sponsors two or three cars or kind of spread their investment around. And it, it's scary because they get all this pressure like, well, I got to add that guy. I got to add this guy. I got to add that guy. And it it's very difficult. And if you're not willing to do the work to ensure yeah, that you're, relationship you're is successful, 
You are, man. And you've, you've got to wrap your head around that. Yeah. I've got a f- funny story. I remember uh, a long, long time ago, there was a bunch, we, uh, me and a couple guys, we did all this effort, uh, put all this energy into selling a sponsorship around a single event. So it was a race team sponsorship, logo on the car, full wrap, actually, all these things, crew jerseys, hero cards, uh, you know, activation at the track with hospitality, all this stuff. And we thought all of that was a lot of work. But then as the week, you know, planning all that, getting all those things in place, it was super expensive. All this effort goes into it. Then the week of the race, it's like, oh, my God, we've got to do a display at the venue tonight. We've got to do this. We've got to haul the car around on a flatbed because obviously we can't get, a, you know, we can't get our rig in and out of the pits once we've started. So a person, first order of business, when you're talking about sponsorship and before you go and hand out a card or you go hand out a proposal, you have to really level with yourself a little bit and decide is this really something that I'm committed to being successful with? Is this something that I really want to have to, 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 to have to do the work to make, to ensure its success? Because if you're not prepared to do all those things, if you're not prepared to create content, if you're, cause it's not one size fit all. I mean, it's, it, it's, and it's not even one size fits most. You would be blown away the nuances between Team to team to team to team to team, how their sponsorships deal sponsorship deals work. Most of them are, are not uniform. They're based on a kickback. They're based on an upfront sum, or they're based on some sort of annual investment or monthly investment. Or there's, I mean, there's so many different ways to accomplish this. But I think if you you really have to ask yourself, am I going to hold myself to a new standard? Am I going to uh, find, explore new ways to provide value? Because the days of sticking a, a decal on the side of your car on the door, and, and that's a sponsorship, That's that ship has sailed 100 years ago. I mean, not literally, but a long, long time ago. So I, I guess just circling back around to the PRI show and anybody that's on the, the fence about it, I, I'm going to say if you can afford it, and even maybe if you can't, find a way to get involved because there's no location like Indianapolis, Indiana, the first weekend of December. I mean, that, that event, you've got everybody that's anybody for the most part in drag racing, decision makers, C-suite people on down in one location. And if you're, if you're determined and if you're willing to go there and put in the work, because it's not going to come to you, there's huge opportunity there. And if you can't find value in in that alone, just the fact that they're all there, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, and I, I go back to my own experience. I remember early on with Drag Illustrated, we didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. I mean, it was a, these were dark days around here. I still found a way to charge money on my mom's credit card so that we could buy a booth at PRI that we couldn't afford, probably couldn't justify. But in my mind, I knew that I wanted to be guilty by association and I wanted to contribute to the cause. I wanted to be there stressed out, putting my booth up just like everybody else. I want to be counting the moments down till tear down just like everyone else because you get your, you identify and you're seen differently when you're, you're there and you're involved, you're actively involved in something. And if I'm just looking at the roster of, or the schedule of different meetups and informational courses and seminars and all these different appearances and Q and A's and round table discussions and all this stuff. There is no doubt in my mind that the trip to Indy is worth it. And I'm not here to sell We don't get any money from PRI for doing this or whatever. It's just, I, I know there's power in us being together as a community. I know there's power in people sharing ideas and collaborating. I know there's power in people from different parts of our community working together or even having the opportunity to work together. So we need to lean into it no matter, I, I don't know how much PRI would have to charge me 
per person or whatever to make it a bad deal. I, I don't know. There are a few things like this. And if you look at the impact that big trade shows have in other industries, I mean, these things are significant happenings. News is broken. Uh, deals are made. It's an exciting place to be, and I hope to see all of you guys at the 2023 Performance Racing Industry Trade Show, downtown Indianapolis, December 7th, 8th, and 9th. We're excited to be there. We'll have a booth, 1505. Come see us. Pick up a copy of the magazine. Uh, shoot the breeze with me and the gang. We'll be there throughout the course of the event. Of course, DI After Hours, powered by Racer Club with our partner, El Bandito Yankee Tequila, stepping speaking, up as our official. And speaking gotta, of that, come get um, a lanyard. Let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, man. Come, come get a lanyard. And then also <clears throat> at our booth, we'll have a uh, Burromax uh, bike, and you can enter to win that. Um, El Bandito wrapped, uh, has Drag Illustrated on it too. Um, and we think I have four of them there. So, you know, swing and by. Yeah. Find Ryan, find, find him, find us. Uh, and we're going to have one at the party as well. So just scan, scan it there. And you can you can take home a bike. Yeah, well, here's what else: some, some money. Because here's that, and we're, yeah. this is news right here. So, <clears throat> of the Drag Illustrated uh, VIP credentials to get you into uh, DI After Hours, the 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 cool new lanyards, and we're going to have a new design every year. Very excited about this, and we want to we want people to have something that is a reminder of our brand and something that they will keep and not discard. Something that's not dated. Want to make it kick ass. Want like, to make it kick, kick ass. ass so They're all it. so. Here's the cool part. My boy Mike here made them all numbered. So every one of these bad boys has an individual number on it. And at midnight at DI After Hours, powered by Race Club at Envy Nightclub in downtown Indianapolis, we are going to draw one number and put $1,000 cash in someone's hand. So at the end of the night, midnight, well, it won't be the DI end of the night. It'll actually be bag. also the, yeah, drag illustrated backpack that'll have $1,000 cash stuffed in it. Uh, we're going to give that away at midnight and we're going to, it's going to be one of the winners. Uh, the winner, excuse me, will be someone with a DI lanyard. So and you don't have a hair on your ass. If you don't walk straight upstairs with it and make it rain. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Um, <laughs> I win it. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, that's what's happening. The, that's what's happening. And there I'll will save be out enough for a Wendy's cheeseburger and then the rest can go to the dance floor. Yeah, man. I, I'm genuinely excited about it. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, how can I make sure that people want these badges? Like, how do we, you know, and, and it's, again, it goes back to value. Like, what's the value of the badge? Well, the value of the badge is you got a chance to win $1,000 cash, a cool prize package from Drag Illustrated Racers Club and El Bandito Tequila. And we're also going to use these numbers to draw for the Burrow Maxes. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty freaking excited about it, man. And then, yeah. and then come by even after Thursday and, and get one. Uh, it depends how many we have, but yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll do um, another giveaway after the show as well. So yes, so very exciting, man. Uh, I'm stoked for PRI. Let's talk about what else. Everybody, we got. I mean, that's Thursday. That's just Thursday. Yeah. Is what what yeah. all we've got going on. We roll into Friday. We've got multiple press conferences lined up. We've got our traditional thirty under thirty press conference at one o'clock. Uh, new location this year upstairs. So if you're going to PRI, you got to go up stairs up the escalator right there at the food court i think everyone's probably seen where that is that's been there um the right up there floor. in one of the yeah. big wall rooms in the south the second floor we're going to have our 30 under 30 unveil and press conference where we honor our uh our recipients for the year they get a jacket uh the whole deal yeah jimmy dale uh, fitting to make it on rain. site Let's talk about Keith, Jimmy Keith Dale's even coming. meteoric rise real quick. Man, because total derail. 
Yeah, yeah. but uh, huge shout out to my boy Tom Gunner and uh, the Jimmy Dale Racing crew because you gotta you gotta give it to this guy. No prior video experience, just a dream, just a dream, and he's living it. I mean, is a full time racer at this point in time. Uh, he's got multiple sponsors. He was involved with multiple brands, and his YouTube channel is absolutely exploding. Uh, he's got multiple hundred plus thousand view channels. I mean, you got to give it to this guy. I mean, it's yeah. to just put yourself out there consistently live with the consequences. Uh, it's a really incredible thing to see. I'm super proud of him actually. So I just wanted to make that, shout out so. Jimmy Dale. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, and, and come to that. the, come to the press conference and meet Jimmy Dale. That's going to be our, yep. our, uh, our sales pitch. <laughs> no, just kidding. I mean, everybody speaking of that, everybody that's anybody really, can be seen at this 30 under 30 press conference. We saw that last it's, year. We had John Force there. We had yep. Robert Height, Greg Anderson. Um, man, you you name it. Uh, Clay Milligan was live. Glenn Cromwell, president of yeah. NHRA, was there. He Sam Corcus from Street year. Outlaws was there. Um, Glenn, you know, it's if, a, if Glenn makes it, we've done something. Yeah, I hope he year. comes, man. I really do because we it's, want you there, Glenn. And just to talk a little bit about the Drag Illustrated 30, 30 Under 30, this is our eighth annual uh, Drag Illustrated 30 Under 30. Um, this is probably one of the most important things that happen at Drag, at Drag Illustrated and probably one of the most um, important happenings in all of drag racing for the fact that it highlights the next generation of stars in our sport and we talked about it early every racer is challenged to find a way to validate this or to feel some sort of validation and to have the the platform that we do and be able to shine a light on all these up-and-comers is so freaking exciting and the fact that it's not all just drivers it's crew guys mechanics people from the media uh, part of our industry uh, various parts of the drag racing community all have this opportunity to walk across that stage get their version of drag racing's letter jacket that uh, custom jacket that the, the team works so hard on getting created with all the logos on the back of it and their name on it i'm just super excited about it and i mean that that part of the show for me is i ride the high of that for months afterwards because it's just he it's an important up. thing, man. I do. Up. I tear yeah. up because it's just, I know, I know what it's like. I, I've been there and I've, I've been that young guy that's trying to do something and you're not sure if it's the right thing. You're not sure if anybody cares. The, the people around you early in most projects are calling you crazy, right? You're not having the results that you thought you were going to have. You're starting to second guess it. You don't know what the future holds. And in that moment, which I know is a fragile state. It's a fragile existence because I talk to racers that all the time that are, they find themselves in this situation and they don't know if it matters. They don't know if anybody gives a shit. They don't know if anybody's paying attention and to have the opportunity to remind, especially all these young people in the sport of drag racing that everybody seems to be very concerned about. I am not concerned about the future of drag racing in any way, shape or form, because to an earlier point, they've been calling this sport dead for 70 years. They've been saying there's trouble on the horizon since it started. And here we are bigger, better, stronger than ever. And I, when I look at the amount of young people, I hear it all the time. I got an email over the weekend from a, a reader of the magazine that was kind of arguing with me a little bit and saying that he's genuinely concerned and there's nobody's into cars anymore and kids don't care about this stuff anymore. I think the pathway is different. I don't know that it's the same as it was when we were kids. I mean, there was just less to occupy your time. So it, it wasn't that shocking to end up in the garage with your old man working on something, right? That that maybe isn't as commonplace today as it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But there's an interest 
there's without question an interest in cars. There is still a, a, there's still a magic that exists with automobiles and the way it brings people together from all these different parts of the world. And I'm proud to have the opportunity to celebrate these kids, man. They deserve it. They deserve this, this moment where they get to feel like, wow, all these nights where I chose to be in the shop instead of at the kegger with JT, um, <laughs> right. And I, I chose to forego some other school project or some other sport I chose to go the hard way, the expensive way. I chose to pursue a future in drag racing and they need to be, they need to be shown that we care and that we, we want to support them. Drag racing oftentimes kind of eats its young, right? We're, we're, we're so wrapped up in what we're all individually doing <laughs> or what they could do or how it impacts us that we fail to realize that, man, we've got to nurture these young people in the sport. Uh, one of the first times I was really uh, excited about something happening for the future was when John Force started down the path of the next generation, right? He, the, the logo still on all the cars, right? He's committed to the future of his own team. Well, the rest of us, uh, and at least here at drag illustrated, we're committed to the future of the whole team, not just one team, but the future of the entire sport of drag racing. And I'm telling you guys, we had how many Mike JT, we had some 7,000, I think 7,000 like nominations for the for the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30. And now, sure, there was some overlap, and there were some people that were nominated multiple times, but nobody was nom nominated 5,000 times, right? I mean, these are pleas from moms and dads and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and everything else, friends and associates and, and team members saying, pleading their case for this individual person. And it, it, to have that kind of reaction to the 30 under 30 year after year after year and see it kind of continuing to snowball in terms of its significance in this space. I mean, it's a, it's a resume item for everybody involved. Every one of those young people going back to sponsorship proposals, there's not a single member of the drag illustrated 30 under 30 alumni that don't use that as validation or legitimacy for their career and where they stand, uh, where they're at currently. And the sport needs more. I mean, we need more ways to showcase these people. Cause again, we just talked about how hard it is to win a race. We just talked about how hard it is to set a record, right? But all of this stuff is hard. Every, every bit of it. I look at the kids, the effort that these junior dragster racers put into their programs and the effort their parents put into these programs. It's important that they know that it's not happening in a vacuum. They're not alone out here. There's a lot of people caring for them and cheering them on. And I just love to have the opportunity to get a whole bunch of people together to celebrate these kids. I mean, that moment when everybody starts clapping and the whole class is up on up on stage. Last year, we had 29 out of the 30 young people join me uh, in the whole team. This year, we're going to have close to that. And let's talk well, about and, something. And, and, and you probably, um, if, if you were planning on going, you probably don't have to now because Wes just gave his speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's the preview. No, I've worked up a new one. I actually worked <laughs> up a talk. I worked <laughs> up a talk. I, uh, I I told myself it's too – the 30 under 30 is too important to wing it. I wing it a lot, and I've winging it has served me well Man. in many in many ways. However, got this speech. is important. This is an important thing, and, yes, is, I have not a special, speech. Guys. It's a talk. It's a talk. Oh, I've boy. got, I've put together so what I believe to be is a powerful, uh, comfortable seating, a, a powerful program for everyone. You know, we only have, well, it's, it's our own press conference that follows it. So you've got a cushion. I probably shouldn't have even reminded you of that, but let's talk about some of the sponsors that we have involved this year. Um, several returning sponsors, uh, some new ones. We've got power built tools, elite motorsports, Stroud safety, Redline oil, Lincoln electric, NGK, VP racing, 
race winning brands, peak performance, Moser engineering, artisan coffee, Cornwell tools, and JCM racing, um, all involved in supporting this. Uh, and we've got a couple of special things that are going to happen during the event. We've got JCM racing announcing their next crop of drivers for their development program. Um, that are going to be involved in that next year. They're going to present that during the conference. And then at the end of it, uh, we've got uh, Lon Damon and the crew at Lincoln Electric giving away another Lincoln Electric prize pack. To uh, We're going to draw one of the 30 names out of a hat, and they're going to win uh, a pretty sweet welding setup. Uh, welder, welding gear, um, a class, tin rods, class, alloys, think, yeah. and, a, and a trip to Cleveland uh, for uh, one of the welding classes next year. So really cool stuff man they put together a pretty good all the sponsors come together and put together a pretty good package yeah we've got i think we've got uh, certificates from redline that are going to be given out certificates from stroud uh we got all kinds of stuff for these people which is really cool and just the support really is uh the the support from these companies and them uh jumping into this to me and seeing like the testimonials we've been posting on on social is a really cool thing well and it's cool too because again going back to like the competitive nature of drag racing there's competing brands that are involved in this deal. And I think that that's very telling, right? There's various tool companies, very fuel and oil companies. It's that it speaks to the overall good that this program represents. And and we're really proud of it. And and that we labored over the list for months, uh, what seemed like months. I don't know if it was actually months. How long was that? A month probably? I mean, it starts. Yeah, we start narrowing it down. It starts at PRI because, I mean, you literally get hit up and, I mean, there's there's parents that just want to kill you. I always, I, I've got this figured out though. Like nobody wants to kill you, JT. No, I know because I I pawn it off. I'm like, they don't let me pick. I mean, that's all Mike. Yeah, I knew I knew that's where that's going. <laughs> and man, line over, and then he's like, "What the hell just happened, man? Why are they so mad at me?" I'm like, hell, I don't know. Um, I had to yeah. tell some people. I mean, it was. Uh, I remember we had all these meetings, right? It was like one meeting after another, and they're all like so long, right? And we're going through this list, and we're having all these internal discussions, and it, it's it was crazy because I had to like really sit down and study who we actually picked. Cause I'm like, my head was spinning every year. My head is spinning because that's the thing. And I hope that people understand that there's Nate a lot good track of it for us. Thanks. Oh, Nate. Nate, yeah. Nate, uh, Nate takes this golf very, clap for Nate yeah. Van Wagner. Shout this out is, to our Nate's Nate. baby. Nate's baby for sure. Yeah. He it's takes Nate's good care baby. of it. Make sure it's done right. But it's, it is, it's important that folks are reminded that it's, it's not a popularity contest much to, uh, 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 the the disp or contrary to popular belief, it's yeah, not a po- it it's it, it's not a popularity contest. It's uh, I mean, there have been plenty of people that have thrown money around, like, hey man, what's it got to take to get my kid on this list or whatever? And we just don't really entertain those things. Um, it, it, and that's something I'm really proud of. And there, there's also a lot of like who's turning 29 or who's getting ready to age out. We have to factor those things in where people are at in their career arc. Are they, is it too soon? Are you going to shortchange them by not recognize them when they're, when their program or when their career gets a little more momentum, or is there someone that's probably reaching, you know, not, and I don't want to say peak, right. But like they've kind of made it or they're getting over the hump. Do you, you know, do you identify that guy, you know, over someone who's really early in the process, but maybe had a big splash moment. There's a lot of, of nuance to this deal. And I, I think it's important that those things are talked about because it, it, that's the hardest thing. One of the hardest things that we do, uh, but we've kind of, we, we've leaned into it, right? Everything that we do is kind of some sort of selection process. I mean, yeah. um, but I think that's what keeps the interest up and that's what keeps the excitement up. Speaking of selection, 
the next thing will be going right in that same conference room, uh, 201, 203, upstairs at PRI. Right after 30 under 30, we're going to do our World Series of Pro Mod 2024 press conference. Uh, we're going to have um, you hosting it, obviously, Wes, Vic Alvarez, and two of our drivers that are going to be involved in it. Um, and we're starting to name those guys. We're starting to unveil those selections for Pro Mod. Uh, we're going to be doing the same thing for the other classes as we get closer to the event. So, uh, man, that that deal is uh, bearing down fast. Excitement's ramping up, and uh, looking forward to doing that again this year. I got to tell you, man, this I didn't think that selecting the drivers for World Series of Pro Mod could get any harder than it was last year because it's like you've got all these people that you have these deep, long-standing relationships with. Uh, people that have supported us in the past in Denver uh, or Orlando, and you're you're kind of racking your brain a little bit of like, holy moly, how do I, you know, how could it be any harder than it was last year? Well, it, we had so many good drivers, good cars in twenty in twenty three. I mean, if you look across the board, I think we had some real fresh faces make splashes. Uh, there's some older, some names from the past that are starting to to come back around. It's it's been a challenge, man. It really has. I'm really happy with the list right now, though. I mean, it's uh, the if we stopped right now, we'd have the biggest, baddest pro mod race in the world. And I've still got a lot of of, of drivers to to communicate with. And it's we got a lot of tough conversations to have, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Because it's uh, and what about it, the other classes too? I mean, we've oh, added more classes this year. A lot of tough competition, top sportsman, top dragster. Um, man, it's going to be those classes are, are going to be as hotly contested as Pro Mod. Oh, there is no doubt, dude. I have been absolutely blown away between top sportsman and top dragster racing for $50,000 with the Intercontinental Top Sportsman Top Dragster Championships at uh, at World Series of Pro Mod, not to mention 50000 to win in top sportsman at the Pro Superstar Shootout, 30000 to win in Superstock, 30000 to win in Stock Eliminator. Like, those all being invite onlys, I've been blown away by the outpouring of support and interest. Uh, and what I've been really happy with is people understanding that no matter whether they get in, they don't get in, whatever is going on, however it all shakes out, I do pe think people really recognize the effort that's being made, the energy and money that's being put into sportsman level drag racing. And I, I want to create an environment specifically at the World Series of Pro Mod where Top sportsmen should be the next men up, next men and women up. And I, and I think that those classes, while they're often lumped together, like at events, they're really like kind of on different paths, you know? And I think that we've got to fix that because I would argue that top sportsmen, top dragster are amongst the healthiest classes in all of drag racing, if not the healthiest classes in all of drag racing. And we've got to kind of get them headed in the same direction where at some point they can meet where you know, the, there is an opportunity for the top tier competitors in those categories. And there's the motivation to do so where, you know, a lot of these places to race those categories, it, it's not as clear cut, like, okay, which class am I going to go into? What do I want to do? And I want to create something that's kind of organic where these things are growing side by side. And you have a guy that maybe wins. This is obviously conceptually speaking, but you go down and you win the intercontinental championship a couple of years in a row, or you do really well. You, you go a bunch of rounds and you see that, you know what, I can, I can race at this level. I can run fast. I can exist in this atmosphere. And maybe the, maybe the carrot is, starts to appear and go, you know what, I want my name on that list in, in pro mod in 2025, or I want to be in the, I want to go to the big dance. And I, I think if these things are a little bit more synergistic, we can create that type of atmosphere a little more naturally. Cause it, 
I think if you go back to where Pro Modified started, it was it was similar to that, right? You had everybody racing in top sportsmen, and then you had the quick eight shootout, right, Mike? And it was like there yep. was this you wanted to be part of that quick eight. And I think that we're going to see that to some extent where guys that are top tier qualifiers at the intercontinental top sportsman championship there, I'm hoping that they're incentivized and motivated to go, you know what, I'm going to get a little weight out of my car or I'm going to get that bigger motor or I'm going to, you know, ramp my program up a little bit to speed it up because I want to be inching towards a goal of racing pro modified. So I'm glad to have them married back up. I don't, I, I was really adamant in year one of making sure that we had something that was sustainable and that we could manage and do at a really high level. And you have to be, cause every time I add a racer or add a class, you have to recognize that that's another thing that's going to need care. It's going to need time and it's going to need energy. It's going to need resources, dollars, and everything else that goes into it. And we just, again, I want to remind people cause every day I get a question about, Hey, are you going to run? Uh, I see a comment here, big wheel racing. Like I get questions like that. You guys going to run big wheels? What do you got for mud bog? You know, what would you got anything for donks? You know, and it's and it's so flattering, right? I'm super excited about it, but we've we've got to create something here that's sustainable over the course of time. And that's because I, I want people to be talking about when I'm I want people the World Series of Pro Mod to be here standing tall decades from now. And we have to we have to do it deliberately. And if we you know, I don't want to be going backwards. I don't want to add 70 classes and find out which ones work and which ones don't. And this one's got some momentum and this one doesn't. You're already playing that game to a certain extent, but you just got to, you got to make sustainable growth, man. That's, that's kind of the name of the game in so many of these things. And, you know, it, it, it goes back to sponsorships. It goes back to everything. It's undervaluing or under promising and over delivering. Right. And it's hard to live up to that if you're up to your elbows and people and up to your elbows and race cars. And you've got more going on that you can really manage. That's why we like to keep these events small um, in terms of car count uh, and racer participation, relatively small. My target's always like somewhere between 150, 200 cars. I feel very confident that we can provide a meaningful experience, a high value experience for everybody involved when the numbers maintain there. But I think about what PDRA deals with on a weekly or, you know, a monthly basis, I guess, with three, 400 cars on the property in HRA. Oh my goodness. I, I, I still think about Indy and having almost a thousand race cars on the property and, and trying to somehow, that's so difficult. You, you are, the scheduling alone is a nearly impossible task, let alone tackling all the issues and little things that happen inevitably with a, a sport such as ours. It's a it's a big, big challenge. And I, I tip my cap to all those promoters that deal with those huge car counts. But we're trying to forge a different path. Um, and and I'm, I'm genuinely excited about it, guys. The World Series of Pro Mod press conference uh, to kind of bookend PRI happenings. Thursday night, December 7th, DI After Hours, Be There, Be Square, Envy Nightclub, kicking the doors open at 8 p.m. Come see JT, Mike, and I hang out with the whole DI crew and along with about every other drag racer uh, in, in the world. We'd love to see you Friday, back-to-back events, Friday afternoon, 1 o'clock, the, the, the 8th annual um, 30 Under 30 press conference where we'll unveil the list. Uh, and, and get to see all of our, our 30 under 30 members. And then immediately following that at two o'clock, the Drag Illustrated World Series of Promod Press Conference. So anyways, be a, come out and see us at PRI, booth number 1505. Looking forward to see you. Come see us, hang out. We're going to be bouncing around all over the show throughout the course of the weekend. And uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing everybody. We've also got, uh, let's, what else do we have to cover, Mike? I've got Dude, a couple you nailed other. It. I was, you. man, all those numbers and times and dates, you nailed it. 
Well, I'm doing my best out here. Let me remind everybody real quick that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag shoots and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to StroudSafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you. I got to give a shout out here. Stroud Safety, those parachutes are what woed that twin turbo Camaro of Mark Mickey's down from 273 miles an hour, basically really that another example of how these on track performance marks can drive business. First order of business for Stroud safety this morning. I saw it on social reminding folks that the shoots that were on the door on the back of the quickest pro mod in the world were Stroud safety. So again, Go to stroudsafety.com. Tell Tommy, Anita, John Gentry, and the whole gang up there that we sent you, and we uh, we surely appreciate it, man. Mike, what else do we got? We got to talk. We got Skag Power Equipment Pro Superstar Shootout. We are two months away from what will inevitably be a barn burner of a drag race. A lot of We've stuff coming together for that. $1.3 million total up for grabs and total yeah. prize money. Blown away by by this whole situation, to be honest with you. And I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm... Listen, I'm a door slammer guy through and through, but you got to be honest. John Force, John Force is coming to BMP, right? I mean, I don't know that people fully really understand what's about to happen. I mean, yeah. you, you've well, got a scenario. I mean, the, it's insane. There's a lot yeah. of, I don't know. Um, there's going to be a lot of announcements coming out now that the NHRA season's over and before we get started back up, sponsor announcements. Um, it made a big deal yesterday around the uh, event and during the event um, for the fans, for ticket holders and uh, upgrades to the facility. Uh, all kinds of stuff are going on down there. It, the place may be unrecognizable by the time anyone that's ever been there before uh, gets there in February for this event. And then we're going to roll right into our event after that. But this is going to be, it's going to be uh, man, one of a kind. There's only, there's only a, one first, and this is going to be the first of these events at Bradenton, and I think it's going to have a special vibe to it. it. It really is, man. If I think about all the little things, not they're not little, they're like significant happenings, like music, the level of production that we're going to have there, the VIP experience that we're going to have there for our VIP and corporate guests. Like I'm, I'm so excited about that alone. Some of the food stuff we're working on is super cool, but I want to touch at least briefly on your your point about the improvements to the facility because this is something. This is what's special. I posted this on social this morning, but it 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 needs repeated a lot. I don't know, Mike. Honestly, I really don't know of another scenario where racers have taken matters into their own hands more so than what I've seen over the course of the last, say, six months. Because, you know, obviously Bradenton Motorsports Park had to be willing participants. But the fact of the matter is that this group of racers, the professional racers, owners, organization, um, and sponsors have contributed to some $200,000 worth of improvements to the facility. I don't know that people, this isn't a matter of putting pressure on a track owner to spend more money on his facility. It's saying, hey, we want to partner with you and we want a long-term relationship and we want to do these things to improve the experience for our racers and our fans on day one. And that has resulted in about $200,000 
worth of improvements to the facility, massive improvement to, to the, to the paved parking. We expanded that back in February for the world series of Promod and are expanding it again to house all these top fuel and funny car teams, 26 top fuel and funny car teams alone, about 50 pro race teams on the property. When you have these type of guys in town, you want to make sure that they've got pavement to park on if at all possible. So we've expanded the pavement, uh, getting a top fuel dragster out of a pit area is a little bit more difficult, more challenging than getting a pro mod out of a pit area. So we had to widen the pits um, significantly, widen our return road to make sure that top fuel cars could get in and out of their trailers, uh, relocating the scoreboards for the longest time. The scoreboards have been right alongside the guard wall at uh, Bradenton Motorsports Park which, uh, you know, for me was never really as much of a concern with World Series of Pro Mod because we race eighth mile. But when you've got cars going 330 miles an hour past the scoreboards, I want the, the poles a long way from the racetrack. So we've made a lot of improvements to the facility. And, and these things kind of happen behind closed doors. But I, in the, I think it's part of the message is that what yeah. I want people to hear is that this is a group of people that are committed to changing the sport of drag racing for the better. That are spending their own money. I don't care what anybody tells you about entry fees. I don't care what you see on social media about this, that, or the other, or it's a gambler's yeah, race or whatever. Race. All that is total bullshit. And it's actually insulting to the people that are working day and night to put the partnerships together to pull this event off. I mean, you've heard many promoters other than me tell you that the purse is a fraction of the overall investment. My experience is that the purse is about a third of what the event total cost of an event typically is. And you can use that, you know, in just to have a little bit more context when you're, you know, ripping some promoter or track owner to shreds over something that that purse and the math you do in your head, we all do it, right? We're all guilty of it. Like, oh, the purse is this and there's this many cars and how much money are they? I, I'm I was always to taught you, to never count another man's money. Very well said. Uh, and I think that it's important to just remind people of the, the, the real meaningful effort that's being made to do something really significant for the sport of drag racing. And we cannot do it alone. It's going to take all of us, man. And, and it's not even just there on site. This is all stuff that's going to be happening on site. And for the fans that will be there in attendance, there's a whole other investment going on for the live stream by flow racing in collaboration with pro uh, working on some unique stuff leading up to the event during the event from the pits uh, the, the broadcast for those that can't make it to the event and for the subscription on flow, or if you're going with the monthly route that they have available now, what you're going to get out of that from flow racing and their investment in it, um, is significant as well. So whether you're going to be there or whether you're tuning in from anywhere else on the planet, it's, it's going to be a hell of a deal. Uh, and again, there's only one first, so I, I'm looking to looking forward to seeing all those upgrades there, but also looking forward to seeing what the what the broadcast will be uh, for everyone else. And I do. I, again, I just wanted to extend an invitation, like personally, like I hope you'll come down. I hope you'll be a part of one of these events, both of these events. Get in where you fit in. I understand that they're relatively close together or whatever, but there's anytime you got a reason to go to 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 sunny, warm Florida. Uh, I feel especially if you get to see you know, side-by-side -side nitro race and side-by-side -side pro mod race. And I mean, it's pretty much, uh, about a month of bliss for drag racers and drag racing fans, man, really proud of it. And yeah. I, I hope we get a whole bunch of you guys to come down and be a part because we need to make a statement. This event, uh, Wait, these... and we, 
we've got a comment here that John Force and the rest of the top fuel guys went to Bradenton seventies and eighties. I believe, and I do believe the eighties, mid eighties or late eighties was the last time uh, that those type of cars were raced there. But that's been forty years now, and these things are wildly different animals at this point. I believe that uh, Jose Gonzalez's run yesterday could have competed with those cars at that time. Yeah, yeah. So. It's it's a completely different deal, and outside of just the performance on the track, everything else that this event is going to bring along with it, I think, is where you're going to see something. When I say it's the first of its kind, or there's only there's only one first time, that's more what I mean. No, I I couldn't agree more, Mike, and I I appreciate it because these things we we have to. If we're not excited, we can't expect anybody else to be excited. And I tell you, man, I don't have to like daydream about it for very long. If uh, a side by side. You know, Steve Torrance versus Leah Pruitt under the lights at BMP. This deal's going to be bananas, man. It yeah. really is. Yeah, under the lights is a key part is, of this right? deal, man, because the really, sun sets at 615 in February and in, in March or in about, February in Bradenton. So. I'd say well over 75% of the racing at that event is going to be done under the lights, which is going to be badass. Yeah, I and it's like if you ask uh, Clay Milliken or so many of these racers, they're like, "Oh yeah, dude, we want to run at night. Like we want to mm -hmm. run when the sun's going down. We want we want ten foot header flangs ha hanging out of these things." I'm I'm stoked about it, man. And just to see, I don't nothing like this has ever happened before. Like I I understand that a lot of these characters compete against one another regularly, but we've seen it firsthand. Things change when the dollars get big, yeah. right? When it's not about when the implications are more severe. Uh, than the point standings uh, this weekend or whatever. And obviously those things, uh, but I mean, comparing this to anything else that any of these racers have ever done, I, I think is extremely difficult because you can ask any racer that's been involved in a big money event, the dynamics different, the pressure is different. The atmosphere is different. We experienced it at the world series of pro mod. You got guys panting, belting, getting belted into their car, struggling to catch their breath, anxiety. I mean, I've had multiple racers from the World Series of Pro Mod tell me that they damn near peed their pants when they let off the trans brake button just from the anxiety and the buildup to this moment in the in the microscope that we put on it, the, the bright light that we put on it. There's so much focus and so much attention on it, especially when there's no other events happening that time of year. Typically, you you tend to get a, a bigger audience because there's less options, right? So everybody's attention is kind of funneled into a singular location. So you take that and couple it with the fact that there's $250,000 on the line and it's a winner take all scenario. You're either going to make three runs in your top fuel dragster or funny car and, and be there when the big money's on the line, or you're going home empty handed. And I think that that really adds a lot of sizzle to it. And we're going to see, mark my words, we'll see somebody leave before the tree's activated. We'll see somebody struggle to do a burnout. We'll see We'll see some things. The human element revs, rears its head when, when, the, when, the, when the screws get uh, turned yeah. a little bit, when the pressure gets to this level. Uh, and, and we try our best to contribute to that. We want to heap the pressure on. We want to we create an environment that's going to get these guys and gals not only to rise to the occasion and perform at their absolute best, but embrace the moment, right? Embrace this moment in time where this historic thing is happening. Uh, I just don't know that enough attention can be put on the fact that we're going to have guys racing for basically what amounts to a world championship in one day on a yeah. Saturday night in Bradenton, Florida. We're going to have guys seeing an opportunity to win more money than they would win all season long, maybe if they won the championship. So, yeah, exciting Man, stuff. Lots going on, dude. Exciting Holy week, crap. exciting time of year. So, uh, with that, hey, oh, one last thing we forgot, man. We forgot to mention next week's show is going to be live from PRI. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, but so it's, no show on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, Thursday. And we're doing some sort of check in from the PRI show, yeah. right? At their new uh, what are they calling it? The paddock, PRI, the the podcast paddock that they're having uh there they're gonna have arsa we're, we're gonna be there uh and a lot of the other top racing podcasts or, or shows are gonna be broadcasting from there everyone's got their time slots so stay tuned for that man i, I think that that'll be fun next week we'll, we'll probably wrangle up a couple uh fun guests and uh and shoot the breeze from pri I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to seeing my gang. I mean, I think that that's in this day and age of people being far flung and remote workplaces and work from home and all these different things. Uh, I, I just feel it's really important to see one another, to to spend time together, to to forge those relationships and build that bond. Yep. Uh, it's I think it, it it has contributed significantly to the culture that exists here at drag illustrated and i think a whole lot of other businesses so i hope you take the advantage yeah. uh take the opportunity come see us that's gonna be at, uh, that's gonna be show, yeah. Man. yeah the in the paddock which is right off of uh, i think is it capitol street i don't know my streets when when i get there i'm totally lost i just know where to go in the trade show uh thursday two, two to 245 um in the paddock where the the big car hangs up above, you know, when you when you walk in the entrance there to uh, the PRI show. So check us out. We'll be live also two to two forty five um, next Thursday. I appreciate you guys, Mike. Thanks a bunch, dude. Uh, it's been great seeing you. Remember, like, subscribe, uh, contribute, be a part of the conversation. Help us spread the gospel of drag racing. Huge shout out to all of our partners: Redline Synthetic Oils, Stroud Safety, FlowRacing.com, Racers Club. Uh, uh, Aeromotive Fuel Systems. Appreciate you guys supporting this effort. Um, do you have to be 281 to hang out with you guys at the party? Yes, you do. It's a it's a legit nightclub, big dog. So you absolutely have to be 21. But we would love to see you at the show. Come by and see us. We don't want to get in trouble, you know. So, anyways, Mike, appreciate it. JT, yep. as always, appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week live from the 2023 Performance Racing Industry Trade Show in downtown Indianapolis. Stay tuned, and we'll see you there. Yep. Thanks, guys. I'm going to play some. I'm gonna, dur, 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 dur. I was going to try to come up with something.